Inking, writing, laughing, crying, sketching, drawing, then more crying, trying, crying, feeling it out. Hey, thanks. I hope you liked his one line in the entire series. He's the best. That's so good. <laughs> you, you're good people. I love it. Hey, thanks. Um, yeah. yeah, guys. So issue two is coming out on Friday, which is tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome to Feeling It Out with Kyle and Connor. Uh, I'm Kyle. And I'm tired. I'm a writer, uh, producer, podcaster with generalized anxiety disorder and depression. And I'm an illustrator who has ADD and has eczema up half his arm. To give you like guys a pretty good idea of where I'm at right now. Oh, are we giving the full spectrum? Oh, <laughs> I, so... I am. I have lactose intolerance. Oh um, no, we're not. Me too. I mean, me too. Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Thanks. It's been a great. It's been a great fact, time being a lactose intolerance club. Let me tell you guys, you're missing out. In fact, just about uh, 20 minutes ago or so, I was on um, my, uh, like, I was on Zoom. I was on my phone uh, with my therapist or my uh, psychiatrist getting a refill on pills, which is really nice because he was remote well before this even started. That's cool. Yeah, I was able to see him remotely just because, like, I don't know if you've, you have a psychiatrist, right? Yeah, and we actually had our appointment yesterday for me That's to awesome. get more shit. Um, sorry. Are you playing Peggle on your phone? No, I thought I could do this more surreptitiously. He's I'm playing to set Peggle a timer. on his phone, guys. I usually... You can't tell because it's a visual <laughs> media, but he's playing Peggle on his. He's showing me his high score. <laughs> Kyle, 50 is not a high score. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's important to um, celebrate your successes, no matter how big they are. My, my metric is unique to me. Wow. So. 50 is a high score, thank you very much. Okay. No, I, I try to set a timer, and I'm not wearing my watch right now, so I thought I could just surreptitiously set a timer, and I guess I couldn't, because I want I try to keep us on like track for these episodes. No, I <laughs> so appreciate sorry. that. It's okay. Yeah, no, uh, I was saying that like with a psychiatrist, I feel like I learned this the hard way about like five years ago when I first started taking medication, is that a psychiatrist is not your therapist. No. They're, they're not equipped to... like talk you through but they'll still ask you questions right. like they think they're a therapist <laughs> but then they just cut you i don't know about you but they <laughs> cut my ass off i actually to anyone who is looking into this or has experienced a psychiatrist and if you think that this is you or if this is normal understand this is coming from two people who've experienced this when i saw my first psychiatrist my, my psychiatrist for the first time he was just getting a general feel of what was going on in my life and I was talking about comics, and he said, what kind of comics do you write? And <laughs> I, of course, start going like, well, I'm working on this thing called Spell Slayer, and it's about a cowboy, <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, that's enough of that. Like, literally verbatim said, that's enough of that. And I'm like, oh, my oh. God. and he's like, sorry, I just, like, I just want to know, like, what kind of stuff you're into, like, because he wanted to get through everything. And I was like, okay, well. Was this your first appointment? Yeah, this is my first Okay. One. Yeah, that first one with a psychiatrist is also pretty intense because, like, I feel like I've gotten lucky that I've had psychiatrists who, like, preamble, listen, these are the questions I have to ask you. It's going to get pretty intense. Don't worry about it. I have to ask everybody this. And it's things like, have you ever thought about committing suicide? Have you ever thought hurting another person? And things like that. Uh, so it's really disarming when they open up like that. And then when you actually do, like today my psychiatrist asked me how are you holding up holding up you know with everything that's going on 
And I go into like, well, you know, the first week I, I it felt like spring break and I was just kind of like drinking every night and it was wild. And then last week I thought I had a handle on everything. And this week I'm totally over it. Like, uh, when is this going to be over? And he's just like, yeah, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it was something it's like crazy. that. Like, it's like crazy. I expected him to engage back, and it was just like, oh, it's crazy. Right, and say, like, <laughs> well, how do you feel now? Like, now that it's not spring break. It, it never, yeah. the follow-up question isn't there. No, and, it's. I had a yeah. psychiatrist uh, in Fremont when I lived up in the Bay Area in Fremont. I had to drive an hour and a half to see this guy. Typically on a work day, I'd have to take three hours out of my day to get out to this guy. And it was this surly old Indian man who, like, would bring me into his office, and he would just be like, well, okay, I'm not going to do an impression. I'm oh, not going he, to do... <laughs> I saw you rearing up for it. Now. That was a close one. I should, I, have sto- I, should have, I should have tried to stop you in any capacity, <laughs> but instead I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do an impression. Go no, on. instead he was he was just, um, uh, just, just very stern, just like, um, so how is the medication working for you? Mm. Okay. And um, how how are things otherwise? Mm-hmm. Okay. And like from my experience, that's what a psychiatrist is. It's very arm's length, like clinical. It's more like a doctor than a talk therapist. Right. And that's yeah. there's so many types of therapists out there too that I've had therapists who act like that too. And I was glad when I found my last one because she was like conversational and asked me about things and. You know, you just have to find your right your right kind. But I, I had one therapist who would just kind of be like, mm-hmm, yes. Oh, I see. I see. Oh, I freaking hate and that. I, I, I don't understand. I can't stand that shit either. I don't understand therapists uh, in real life. I, I get it on TV and movies where they just keep going, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. How does that make you feel? Yes! Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in real life, like, I've only had a couple of bad therapists, and I did not last long with them because... I, unfortunately, I'm really bad at breaking up with therapists. Have you ever had to do that? Have you ever had to tell a therapist, this isn't working out, <laughs> we need to see other people? Um, no. What I have done in most situations is I call ahead one session and I'm like, hey, uh, sorry, I can't make it. Uh, and then it's like, <laughs> I'll see you next week. And then next week, uh, I'm just like, I'm actually not going to be coming back. <laughs> oh, you ghost them. I ghost them. <laughs> I actually well, that's better have, than ghosting. Yeah, well, I have ghosted a couple. Ther- I've had a lot of therapists. I've ghosted a couple therapists because I just no, don't fine. have the time. And I feel like they're equipped for that. That's the thing. Is like I I I, I felt weird apologizing for setting up a psychiatrist appointment for my ADD because I mean we all know what I'm going there for, and everyone in the office, at least on the doctor's end, knows what some of the symptoms of ADD are, and. That psychiatrist talked with, talked with the psychologist who diagnosed me or whoever, I don't know, the position. And so so they know that my problem is remembering to follow through on things. So <laughs> I was like, do I need to apologize? Can I just be like, hey, guys, it's me. I forgot. Like, can we try again? And yeah. No, that was a huge problem with me. I haven't <clears throat> I haven't been seeing a therapist for many months now, but when I had one, uh, it was a process when I first moved to L.A. It was probably about, like, five months of trying to find a therapist. And I eventually found one, and they were an old white woman, and they were very sweet, but we just did not click. We, she did not get me. But it took me maybe, like, six sessions before I could finally tell her, like, this isn't working out. And it was really awkward. 
because uh, the time that it actually happened, I never actually had the balls. This is how it happened. I went to see this therapist. It wasn't working out like five or six times. So on the sixth time, uh, she asks like, hey, so how are things going? Like she could obviously pick up on that things aren't going well. And I right. said, things are great. I'll see you next week. Um, and then I told the receptionist person, I would like a different therapist, please. <laughs> And they're like, oh, um, any reason why in particular? You don't have to give a reason if you don't want. And I said, yeah, we just don't, we don't click. Um, so, like, if you could just, you know, reach out with some other availabilities, let me know. And so I'm driving home, and I get a phone call from oh. the uh, psychiatrist's office, and I assume, oh, no, did I forget my wallet or something? And it's the therapist saying, hey, Kyle, um, just confirming, I just heard from uh, the blank at the front desk that uh, you're switching therapists. I just wanted to confirm that that's, that's the case. That's what you really want. And I was like, oh, yes. Maybe. And, well, and I told, I told yeah. my mom about that, and she was like, I'm pretty sure legally they're not allowed to do that. I don't think that front desk person is allowed to tell the therapist that they're switching people. And even if that did happen, they're definitely, definitely not allowed to contact me about it. Well, I don't think that they should. It's kind of like a weird. It, it made me so anxious. Like, yeah, that that seems like a kind of a bad policy, and given that, I don't know. That's so. Funny. I guess it'd be confusing because, like, if I gave the therapist one thing and then the front desk person another, I guess it's like, uh, who do we trust? Let's get one more confirmation. But I. Uh, I don't know. I, I still wonder to this day, like, is, is that what's, what's supposed to happen? Because it was very triggering in the moment. God, no, I think you're supposed to just say, I have no idea. Because I'm, I don't I, know either. Because it's, <laughs> like, uh, it's like what you were saying a second ago. I can't remember exactly, but uh, the idea that, like, it, oh, that was it. That if you ghost a therapist, like, I said, oh, they're equipped for that. But then I thought for a second, oh, my God, that must be so scary for some therapists who see a client tell that they really need to be here and then they just disappear and they're like really not supposed to, you know, invade their life and go, Hey, uh, you missed your appointment. Like, unless it's a prescription, uh, therapy, it's like prescribed therapy. I was under the, yeah, there's that, but also I was under the impression that if you were on like suicide watch or if that was a concern, I know a couple people in the field and, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it's how it is. I'm paraphrasing, but I was under the impression that if it's in that situation, they they don't have to reach out, but most of them are like, I at least call and be like, is everything okay? And just to make but, sure. Right. But like in your and my case. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, a cat jumped and <laughs> everyone in the audience should know I'm very easily entertained. Yeah, sorry about that. He's behind me now. Can you see him? Yeah, I can see him. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, but like in your and my case, though, when uh, we show up to a therapist, like let's say you were searching around and you found one on the internet and you called them, you set up an appointment, you meet them maybe two times, and then you ghost them, like... I feel like you and I would have uh, a a good sense of like showing the person that we're not violently depressed or like self harming in some way. So they would just be left to go like, Oh, I guess I fixed them in two sessions <laughs> or that like, Oh, I guess they, they just decided that they don't want to see me anymore. It must be so distressing. I could never be a therapist. I'm too empathic. I couldn't, I couldn't either because I also like, I get in this mode where if people are having trouble and they're coming to me for help, my two typical modes are either like, 
commiserate and and at that level of commiseration be like yeah that that that's fucking sucks that sucks that's all i've got or well here's logistically what's going on and like completely take any emotion out of it and i guess some people can respond that way and i've had some people be like oh i didn't think about it that way and like that's cool but i mean i couldn't imagine telling someone who's like yeah i just i feel like you know my my fucking girlfriend and I's sex life hinges on the well-being of her turtle and me being like uh she's using you to normalize the turtle situation like break up with her like that would be my shitty like coping mix and I don't help him get through this or whoever it is I just would tell them like this is what's happening but that's what's so crazy about <laughs> therapy. It's like you any one therapist could wear like 50 different hats depending on their different clients. I feel like the best therapist would find a way to like, you know, use their style and everything that they've learned from their education, but also be flexible enough to adapt to whatever their client like needs or the way that they think. Like if I if I like was if I had a particularly like limited vocabulary and my psych, my, my therapist wasn't able to pick up on that and was using all these highfalutin $4 words and made me feel like an idiot, I would call them a bad therapist, even if their ideas were sound, you know? Yeah. You do have to know your audience in any situation like that. I totally agree. Yeah. Cause I feel like some of the worst therapists I've had felt like teachers or professors where it was like, I want to impress them that I'm feeling good and that I'm feeling okay. And it became this thing of like, oh, I'm feeling too bad to go to therapy. <laughs> and then there's obviously the other times where you're like, oh, I'm feeling too good to go to therapy. Like I, I had a really great week. There's nothing I would really want to talk about. I feel like I would find every excuse under the rainbow to not go to therapy when I had a therapist. Oh, see, I the reason I usually stopped going to therapy is that if it wasn't clicking with me, it was mostly because, well... Obviously, there's something that's making me not want to connect to these people, but it just, I would always like sugarcoat everything I said, where someone would be like, How are you feeling? I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm fine. When like it was not fine, or I would, yeah, I would like really like lighten things, or I would be like, Oh, that's, it's a good advice. I'll just try it out and then not try it out and yeah. be like, It's fixed. I don't need to worry about it anymore. And then think like, Well, they're not going to help me because I, I had this weird fear that if I told them, stuff I was actually concerned with that they'd be like, Oh God, this guy sucks. I can't <laughs> oh, help this dude. dude. Yeah. And it's funny cause, uh, that's not the case as I made apparent with my last therapist, but it's funny how that might've been what I was thinking, but either, either way, one or another, I just didn't connect with who I was talking to. And like that, that sucks. And that's mostly the reason why I would leave these therapy appointments. Cause I'm like, I'm not getting anything and I'm not giving them anything. So like, why am I paying money for both that's of us it. to sit here and Is nothing happen? Yeah. Cause it's, it's an equal thing. Like I feel like for me, it took me a long time to re I mean, I had a sol I had one solid therapist for two years up in the Bay area and she was amazing. And she's the best one I've ever had since. And she's this super high bar that I hold all other therapists to, but she had such a good way of like finding the way that I thought like I had absolute confidence that I could explain a thing and I wouldn't feel burdened to explain the 10 other layers of thoughts that make that up. I felt like I could say the thing. Whereas my most recent therapist, I think she was like 
Romanian or something or or uh, some Eastern European country. She had an accent that I will not do an impression of once again. Mm. But <laughs> there were just like some cultural things, like some idioms that she just didn't know um, and some like disconnects there. And for the longest time, I felt weird about telling her about Derek and about me being gay because I didn't know what her country was like. And obviously those that was unfounded because she's here and she knows her job and her role and she's good. But I was doing that thing that you're saying where you just say, oh, yeah, I'll try that. That's, that's good advice. Um, like, like the first thing, the last thing that I like accepted was like, oh, yeah, I'll try that was like power posing that she was trying to suggest. Oh, and, it was, and it was finally like, yeah, the, the, it was a, I had a decision of like, I remember talking with Derek a lot about it of do I tell her that um, I don't want to see her anymore or do I push through this fear of being honest with her because I'm afraid that she won't get it. And so I told her and it was one of the like weirdest moments of of therapy in my life because I told her I was like this isn't working and it's as much my fault as as it is, I, I didn't say like it's your fault, but I, like, I feel like there's you did like, this. You and did I said this. this. I said I said I am not being honest with you, and I want to be. And she said like, thank you for telling me that because I want you to be honest with me too, and I want to like create a, an environment where you feel like you can be honest with me without feeling like oh she doesn't get it or whatever. Like I'll, if I don't get it, then you can help me and we'll get there. And so like, that was, that was a really good one for a long time. And frankly, the only reason I had to uh, stop with her is cause uh, she moved away. Mm. Yeah. But well, I don't know. Turn it around at least. Thank you. I, I was really proud of that. It's tricky. Um, but I wanted to segue over into the thing that I wanted to do today, uh, which is something that, so um, like right now in this moment, job security uh, is, up in the air for a lot of people and it's really terrifying and for the first time since quarantine i was faced with like a reality of oh i might not be able to just coast this out forever i might have to actually like pretend that this is a problem for me instead of just a inconvenience or an annoyance because i'm really lucky and that could change tomorrow yeah you know and so that kind of made me panic uh for a few hours um, just like a slow panic, you know, and I came to the conclusion that, uh, based on a thing a therapist told me is the circles of influence is like what you have control over. Oh yeah. Okay. And no, I'm familiar with that. And so, yeah, like for instance, if you take a piece of paper and you draw two concentric circles, basically looking like a donut, you have the things you can control and the things that you can't control. And so, obviously, the th I thought it'd be a good exercise if, like, you helped me figure out the things that I can control and the things that I can't control to help me stop panicking. Well, you can't control the market of the business oh, and in which we're you off. run in. <laughs> uh, you also can't control the actions of our of our boss. <laughs> uh, this is scary. Can we start with the things I can control? <laughs> Oh, no, because then we're going to ease on a good note, Kyle. You're right. You're right. We're ah, going to ease so on a good that. note. You can't, you can't control uh, the quarantine or the virus situation. Oh, God, I really, really wish I could. And the stupid, like, that's a, that's a hold on to that because that's, that's a really frustrating thing that even Google, like, you know, it says, like, stop the virus, do the five or whatever. And it really tricks me into thinking, like, 
I have power over this virus, and if I stay home, then the virus will be cured. But you're absolutely right. Like, I don't have control over that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a whole other conversation because there's varying degrees of control that are there, but the overall tide of the virus is not within your two hands. No, thank you. Yeah. See, I'm already, like, melding the two, so thank you. Yeah. Uh, you can't control... <sighs> Um, okay. Uh, I can't control like food. Uh, uh, like that's, ah, uh, this is hard. Can yeah, you can't, I control you can't food? control, you can't control like supply distribution, whether it's groceries or laundry supplies or toiletries or like whatever. Okay. The supply and demand is going to be a thing, but you can control your cats eating. You can okay. control what you wear each day. You can control your facial hair. I almost did a plug, and you know, you know of what, and I'm not going to, because dude, your mustache is looking great. Thanks, I hate it, and I you want do? to shave, but I'm just not going to. There's no point. There's Me no either. point. No, I told my dad that I'm gonna shave. I'm gonna like grow. Oh, I'm, you should talk in the mic. I told my dad <laughs> that I'm going to grow my beard my out <laughs> as far as I can, and then I'm gonna try to do the Chester Allen Arthur. Interesting choice. Do you know what that is? I know what you that know, is. Okay, yeah. We'll for, describe for it for the audience. Yeah. Yeah, for listeners who don't know what that is, that's when your uh, sideburns and like mutton chops go into your mustache and there's no other hair. It's just the sideburns into the mustache, like a like it's, a football helmet. I want really, it so bad. It's really aggressive and I've done that before. In no between way. shaving, in between oh. shaving. I've done a lot of crazy stuff in between shaving. That's one of those <laughs> things. So you can control your facial hair. You can also control what games you play, what you do in the evening. Um, mm. Oh, entertainment. Yeah. You can control what you drink or, or when you get high or like fucking what room you decide to talk on the phone in. And I guess actually on that note, you can't control how you feel. Well, okay, that's a dicey subject. I was going to say you can't control how you feel, but I have a dissociative like relationship with my own brain, so that's well, probably not a great... You can't like, control how you feel. It's a cat, you, okay. Oh, oh there's a left. cat. Anton, come here. Keep, you fucking bitch, get over here. You can't control how you feel about something, but you can control how you feel about that feeling yes exactly. that first initial thought that and what first you feeling what is, you do with yeah. it too yeah exactly or whether or not you act on that feeling those are things you can control say hi manton look kyle oh my god say i had no cat. idea it was jet black yeah she's a sweetie bye bye i'm gonna put feelings on both circles yeah because that is something that you know, like I can feel frustrated and stressed out and scared, but I also have the ability to understand that it's a very reasonable thing that I'm feeling. And I've been very fortunate that it has not led to panic all the How time. How are you coping? Uh, fine. I think I'm, I'm doing little drawings. <laughs> I think I've been pouring everything into comics to the point in animal crossing to the point where I right. don't really, ha I haven't fully coped with it because I have horrible dreams each night, which is my brain's version of trying to get me to cope with stuff and it doesn't work. And whenever I have a dream about something, I 
I'm like, well, I guess I'll never think of that problem again. And my brain goes, mm, but tonight you're gonna have to. And it's been a it's been a dance that we've done. So I have been coping okay. Okay. But I've also been what I've been doing instead of having the control and not control, I've been having uh, these moments where I just kind of remind myself of areas where I am grateful and it's not fair to compare to people who are having a harder time, but just from my own peace of mind of realizing like, well, I am still glad that I can have a job and that, uh, you know, my parents are okay. Uh, and that my girlfriend's okay. And that I can still get food and I'm grateful that I, my appetite's slight. So I don't eat a lot anyway. So I don't have to worry about groceries as much as most people do. So it's like a few things that I'm like, well, at least I've got this going. So it helps me relax a little bit because things really suck. A lot of people are having a really fucking hard time. And I don't know. Now I feel I guilty saying that. Yeah. And I shouldn't because it's just you my perspective. But... You know? Yeah, but I, I get it. It's a survivor's guilt when, like, it's a survivor's guilt for the dead and for the not dead, like for the people who are financially dead. Yeah. You know? Like, and it, it really sucks, and I, I feel for those people, and I've mostly staved off guilt because I understand that I'm not like, well, fuck them because I'm doing okay. I'm like, I hope everyone's doing all right, and if people need help, I'll try to help. But also I'm doing I'm doing okay in my my complete solo bubble. Right. No, it's interesting. The The things that are in the sphere of influence that I can control are things like entertainment and cats and feelings and drinking. And I feel like there's like you have maybe four or five things you can do right, right now when you're like, oh, thank you. That's another good one. Yeah, I forgot about that. I can control my creative <coughs> endeavors. Yes. Like... I feel like there's like five things you can do and like they all come into like subcategories and stuff, but there's uh, essentially running. You could run from this problem and sedate yourself through like, it could be TV. It could be something as simple as just, oh, you're binge watching shows and you're running or you're getting drunk every night and you're running or you're getting high every night and you're running or you're just running from the problem. Which which sounds awful now that I'm thinking about it because what else is there? Ugh, it, okay. Sorry, there's that. There's, like, improving. The other thing that I'm hearing a lot of things is like, oh, now's a great time to improve yourself, is to pick up that new ha hobby or to work on that thing that you always wanted to do. That's only two. What are the other categories? Uh, I mean, there's running, there's acceptance, there's denial, there's grief. I mean, you kind of go through the five stages of grief or the different things that people God, can do. God, you're right. Because you, you, you know, a lot of people are like, it's not a thing. And there's a lot of people like, well, this is going to suck. And well, there's I denial, mean, then anger. Yeah, and a lot of people are pissed off. and <clears throat> Then bargaining. Yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of that shit going around. Then depression and then acceptance. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like everybody's going through a version of that. You're right. Yeah. But it kind of like recycles like, it can, especially because things keep changing. I feel like every time someone is like, 
don't forget, with COVID-19, this happens. And I go, oh, okay, yesterday, this happened. So now this happens. Gotcha. It's a weird thing, and I, I hate to make comparisons to silly things like this, but have you have you seen Avengers Endgame, Connor? Yes, I have seen Avengers Endgame. Oh, interesting. So in Avengers Endgame, there's a scene where uh, Captain America approaches Sorry, Black Widow. Captain America is a character from the 1940s <laughs> never mind, never mind, never that was popularized nope, in nope, Timely Comics. Oh, okay. Uh, so he, meets, uh, he he approaches Black Widow, and uh, he, he, he makes an offhand comment about how um, another pod of whales was seen in the Hudson, the first one in, you know, like so many years. And... He's basically saying, like, there's a silver lining to half the people, you know, half of all life being wiped out is that, like, there's less pollution and now life is flourishing again. And I've heard similar things with, like, the L.A. skyline and smog and China and smog and how, oh, there's a silver lining to this. Like, oh, I'm saving a lot of money because I'm not driving around and I'm not eating out as much. And, oh, I'm not... uh, putting as much pollution in the air so so the earth is getting healthy again and it feels weird because in the movie black widow's response is don't tell me the silver lining don't tell me like to adapt to this because when i accept this like that's when i lose some version of that because what her job was at the time was finding children who had become lost by the snap and uh getting them to safe places and so she had interpreted acceptance as like a uh, what what is the word like a um, surrender? Right, but I think that it's it's. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's different. Even even in that example, it's funny because I probably not the best. I don't have the most popular opinion on this, but when, yeah, when Captain America said that, I'm like, cool. Yeah, I get, I would probably be doing the same thing. Like, well, I mean, at least this is happening. Like. Because the the thought process behind that to me is everyone in the room knows that it sucks and everyone in the room wants it to get better or be over or to like fix things. So why just keep sitting there and being in that state when you can say like, all right, we all get that. That being said, if if there was anything going on with this, at least like the skyline's looking better or at least there's less smog. It's still not great. It's not That's even it. good. But at You're least right. like this thing. And when she was like, don't tell me that because I don't care anymore. I'm like, You're insecure, so don't put that on him. And then I was Connor, like, I'm I think I'm insecure. Comic characters. Hmm? Connor, I think I'm insecure. Me too, Kyle. Me I think too. I'm I think I think some stu- some silly part of me thinks that if I don't accept that this is the new normal and that even when restaurants open again, they will be reservation only and they will only have like 15 tables like in the building that if I don't, if I don't accept that, then I, then I can still fight it. And I guess I'm still in the denial phase in that way that it's like, it's like when Trump got elected and people started to just like make jokes about how dumb he was. It's like, you can never, you can never stop being surprised by the, just monstrous idiot things that are happening. Cause once you stop being surprised, you become what my fiance calls jokerfied. Then you just start seeing everything as a fucking joke. Cause like we've clearly stepped over into some kind of like uh alternate dimension where nothing makes sense and up is down and it's all just a fucking joke. And I feel like a resistance to that. And I know it's not all or nothing, but I'm being, I'm being very comic booky uh, hyperbolic, but no, I, I think you. I'm insecure. 
But you I, helped me. I'm glad. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, I guess because I'm so used to just overall like planning out f- as many different scenarios as I can and experiencing as many different scenarios as I can, like as often as possible, that a lot of times stuff happens and I'm either quick to be like, well, that sucks, but I hope it gets better, but I'm not, I can't, I literally have already experienced as much grief about this as I can in one moment. So until the next thing happens, then I just don't have active grief for that thing. Like with what's going on now, it, I have a lot of feelings about it, but when we first were told about the quarantine, my first thought was like, okay, let's start by assuming that I am never going to see the outside world again. Let's play with that for a couple days and then we'll kind of move up to the most ideal situation. And after ruminating on things for so long, you know, when people were like, oh, it's going to be done by the end of uh, March. And I'm like, I hope, but I'm over here. Like we got June at best and i still think it's going to be like the next year things are finally going to be different yeah but that's just because i've i've been sitting here and every other day i'm just like okay let's just try another scenario just so you're ready for it because i am i am so insecure that i can't handle being unprepared for a thing happening that when the thing happens it seems like i'm really secure about it exactly yeah i know exactly what you mean i, I bet it made you a great like coffee uh, um, great manager at the coffee shops is like when there's an actual emergency I, I i'm the calmest person i can put my head on a swivel and i'm in like an emergency mode and i feel like that's where i thrive and it's why when everything's fine i have generalized anxiety because exactly yeah, because like, there's no I'm, planning I'm, for that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so right now it's just this long, slow panic. It's awful. It's like it's like it's like we're trapped in the opening credits of a horror movie and it's going to be like a 30 year horror movie. Yeah, I think that the thing is, is um, and I don't want to say what people are feeling, but when it comes to that idea of viewing acceptance as surrender, I think that the biggest thing to keep in mind is that you can. I mean, you. I feel like you have to. The, the benefit that I have over just accepting it is that I am, I am forcing myself to assume that it will get better at some point. Because otherwise, yeah, then I'm, I'm not going to do anything to work. I'm not going to work towards anything. Yeah. And it's this weird duality where I have where, even even with like comics or even with work or like literally with anything, I can be a state in a state of this is this is fine or this probably won't go anywhere. I need to understand the realistic aspect of it. And then also, but I really hope it does. Cause that'd be really great. And I, yeah, yeah it's, I don't know. It's like, I'm one of those people where if I'm playing a hard video game, I fight the boss out the entire time. Whereas like, I know some people who, if they're playing a hard game, they keep dying. The second they start making mistakes, you're like, Nope, we're starting over. Nope. We're starting over. And I'm like, I'm going to keep going because I've had boss fights where I'm losing the whole time. And then like the last minute when I have no potions and I'm not prepared is the time that I do it. And I would have fucking skipped out on that if I had started over and I'm getting better each time. So it's easier for me each time. And this is like one of those things where I'm I can look at and be like, this sucks and I feel like we're losing. But if I keep fighting it and I keep losing, eventually I think I'm going to win. That's a great allegory. I love that. 
That, Thanks. That like even when it's hard, you don't you don't quit and stop. You you push through all the way to the end. Like even when you know you're gonna lose. Yeah, which <sighs> that also attributes to my stubbornness. And guess what, guys? Sometimes it's not great to stick it out. But I think that for things that are especially for things that are a matter of life and death, I I highly believe it's worth sticking out. I mean, it, it's if you if we want to, I don't know how much time we have for this crazy. No, now's that time of, of the show where Connor takes us home. Take us yep. home, Connor. But I'll I'll just say that if people want to consider it this way, if you want to get really metaphysical with shit, you know, when doctors. Uh, um, and I've, I'm fortunate enough that I personally have not experienced this, but I have a lot of, I've had friends and family who have, but when you get diagnosed with cancer, a lot of doctors will tell you that your mentality and your opinion about what's happening is a factor in your recovery. It's not a guarantee, but people who believe that they're going to get better and they try are, have higher chances of actually getting better as opposed to people who just flat out accept it and go, well, this sucks. And it's kind of a similar thing where you, if you look at, if you're, if, hey, listen, if you're fucking out there and you are one of those chakra people, that's awesome. But this should pertain to you then, because if you believe the universe has energy and we're all guided a certain path, then if you at least believe in the in the idea that you want to be happening like you just put blind stupid faith into it it's it's not guaranteed it's going to happen but you're you're paving that road for hopefully to get somewhere it's mind over matter yeah yeah that's how tulpas come to life yeah it's how turtles <laughs> come to life <laughs> I'm uh, anything else? <laughs> no that was it okay bye, bye. bye. feeling it out